What's up, folks? It is Tuesday night, and if I stop the music here real quick so I don't have to hear it on the replay, but uh, welcome. It is episode 130, and tonight we have a very special gentleman with us, Jay Daniel, the author of Finally, from the Phillies. I get the whole entire name out in a second here, as I was remembering our Ryan Neff here dancing like a maniac, and every time he does something, it always throws me off, but nevertheless... We do have Jay Daniel on, so uh, <laughs> as I have my major brain for here, but the Phillies, the Royals, and the 1980 baseball season that almost wasn't, if I can remember the name correctly here, but he is with us tonight to speak about the Phillies, the 1980 World Series champs. Also, I'm pretty sure, following the Dallas Green, the end of that saga, and then the next time we got to celebrate was in 2008 with Charlie Manuel, which if you guys have missed that interview, it is on BroadStreetSouth.com. Take a look at it. It's under the meet and greet. And you can check out the interview with Charlie just a couple of weeks ago, meet and greet with the Philly sports trips crowd. And that was a lot of fun. So we'll get to speak to Jay. He also not only talks about the Phillies, but anything nostalgic when it comes to major league baseball. And if you get the opportunity, please follow him on Twitter at Jay Daniel. Every day he posts something different, not just once a day, few times throughout the day. And it's always something good as he put out today between Ricky Henderson, Eddie Murray, and a couple other folks, which Ricky Henderson is one of my, all-time favorites because Ricky, the one thing about him was, the great thing about him was as well, was that when he talked about himself in third person, which I think made him stand out more than any other major league player on any major league team. But with that also, we have the demand for drunk Phil's fans. So Chris is back with us again as his continued fellowship and those who follow him on Twitter continue to grow. And that's good because Chris is one of the few guys that I will say on Twitter that if someone does follow him, he immediately responds back for thank you with the follow. So that's really nice and really classy about what the drunk Phil's fans do. So we'll also have on tonight, the Philly captain, the gentleman who took a Mets fan phone and threw it onto the field. And we'll find out the reason why he did that. So lots to get into uh, the Cheap Seats debut was just on not too long ago. I was sitting up at the 700 level, and I have to yell at Ryan Neff because I should have lived getting a ticket to the club suite level, but I had to go all the way up top in his Cheap Seats at the 700 level, but it's okay. I'll remind him when he comes on. So lots to get into. Obviously, the Sixers, as you saw in the rollout here, 2-0 start against Toronto. The only difference will be, once to go to Canada, Maxi will not be with the team because he's not fully vaxxed. And you must be fully vaxxed to enter the country of Canada. So they will end up missing him. But hopefully with the way this team has been playing the last two games, they won't miss a beat. And maybe they can close it out in Toronto or if not at least close it back out in Philly, get past that first round. They need it. And this will be great redemption against the Raptors, who just a couple years ago ended up winning the NBA championship and also took the Sixers out. So lots to get into. We do appreciate everyone tuning in. 
once again. And uh, thank you for Jay to, to stop by to make sure he has some uh, time with us to talk about his book, his legacy, and then the teams that he has seen in the past, the players he's seen in the past, and even what he believes is the baseball, the best baseball facility out there, whether it being from the Tigers to the Phillies out to Tampa. We'll ask him all those questions, but just hang on as we have the entire crew here on the other side. Episode 130, I'm Angel, and thank you for tuning in to Brush Free South. And as usual, we never can do the show without the Godfather himself, and you guys can also follow him at Fuji Mike on Twitter, as every morning he puts something new out there, and this morning I told him, thank you, Godfather, because, well, it's what he does in the morning time. But nevertheless, here is Mike Fuji, the Godfather. Fuji, what's happening? Play the song. Sixers up two nothing. Bills, I don't know where they're at. Girardi on the hot seat. The rumor is, birds nine days of the draft. Angel, let's get the party started right now. How are you? I'm doing all right here. It is about, uh, we're supposed to get about 90 today. So it's about 82. Nice and cool though outside. The humidity has not picked up. So it's nice here in the Tampa Bay area. And of course, we are live from the LG Direct Sales Solutions Studios in Tampa, Florida. And uh, so uh, here, before I bring everybody else on there, apparently there's cold and snow heading up that way, apparently during the overnight, or at least chilly winds. But then you guys are supposed to hit the 70s over the weekend. That's the rumor. Probably within the next day or so, we're back in the 70s. So, thank God for that. It's been cold. I mean, last time we had some bad rain and some heavy winds going on up here. Well, we'll get into that and some more stuff here. But also, from the cheap seats, and yes, this is my opportunity. Listen, uh, mister, the next time I have to sit all alone up there in the 700 level, okay, you and I are going to have a discussion. I, what happened to my club level suites? Can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll have to have a talk with somebody because you see I'm busy counting my millions sitting here in my palatial estate. So yeah, I see that. You know, I'll have to I'll I'll have to have time to talk to somebody about getting you better seats. Okay. We'll see. Also from <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that would be or courtside at least. Since, you know, it is the cheap seats, so maybe I can get on a courtside finally. I can't afford a Sixers courtside, so maybe I can finally get the cheap seats courtside. But <laughs> with that being said, you guys, if you did miss the show, go to Ryan F's page on Facebook, and you can see it under the cheap seats. It was just on and debuted about an hour and uh, I guess about 20 minutes ago or so at 6.30. Good show on for an hour. Fuji and the Public Mountain, the Godfather, and uh, good content. So please check out the replay. Ryan F, cheap seats. And thank you to the both of you gentlemen for doing a fantastic job here on your first episode. Thank you, sir. No problem. And back with us from the Drunk Phil's fan, Chris is in the house once again by popular demand. Chris, I want to say that I have gotten a good amount of emails with people wondering either A, are you going to be here basically all the time, which I told the folks, you are extremely busy. You got a lot of content to cover. There's tons of stuff that's going on along with, of course, yeah. your professional career as well. But yep. I did say that we will have him back on as many times as he possibly can. So thank you for coming back on with us again. Of today. course. Yep. Glad to be here. Good evening, guys. Excited to get Chris. the show started. Yep. Thank you for coming on. Of course. 
And then also the author, once again, of Finally. You guys want to follow my once again on Twitter under J.Daniel. And I almost made the mistake earlier to put out the promo and put John or J.Daniels. And that's only because, once again, Mr. Neff or someone made a comment last week as far as the Jack Daniels. And sometimes you just remember certain things. But it was J.Daniel. And with that being said, we bring on the man, the myth, the legend himself. Mr. Jay Daniel, Jay, how are you this evening? I'm great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's 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 been a pl- an honor to to be on with you. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for no coming problem. on. We appreciate it. And finally, seems like the man of the hour. As I see him getting prepped up here in the green room with fan excitement, as he saw over the weekend. Don't know what happened. Well, we're about to find out. I see John, the Philly captain. The one who threw out the phone now, who's been oh, pretty much boy. part of Philly history out in the field. John, first of all, welcome to the show. And how are you, sir? Well, I feel like I'm about to break your heart. Uh, yo, I didn't <laughs> throw the phone. I videotaped the phone throwing. I was the That's what it was. Yeah. So uh, I did call the guy a name. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I called him. A, I don't know if you guys curse or not. I called him a, 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 a D-head. And uh, and uh, I videotaped it. I can give you a play-by-play breakdown. I'm friends with the phone thrower, but I'm not the actual phone thrower. I'm not that brave or, uh, or you know, or as good-looking as that guy is. With a, with a brave, good-looking man, that guy is. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the hat that you guys have me on. Look at this. This is like a big setup. I feel like we're part of like a sales seminar, and the guy <laughs> with the big studio, Angel, he's he's like the leader. He's gonna make us buy timeshare or something. Look at this guy. Sure. Listen, if, if you want to buy some, yeah, I got plenty in the Bahamas. If you want some timeshare, I got some down here in Clearwater, Florida. So any timeshare you want, we'll discuss it amongst the group here. As we get the show going, we'll figure out who's going to have the top sales by the end of the show. So, John, but thanks for coming on. Jay, as far as starting with you here this evening, and, and the big thing is obviously writing the book and the memoirs that were for the 1980 season. And as you stated, it was a season that almost wasn't. And the Kansas City Royals making it there as well when it came to a lot of us who remember, first of all, uh, as far as Veterans Stadium, that you can never forget that iron concrete jungle that it was. And the reference why I made it 700 level is because if you wanted cheap seats, that's exactly where you went. And you had the Phantom Vision up there. I mean, it's just it's a place that will live in, in our own history now that Citizen Bank Park has been blessed as well with a World Series championship of its own. But I want to get to, first of all, what made you end up writing the book? It was just because of the season itself and the way it ended up playing out, or was it something that you've been wanting to do as throughout the season, and then you just kind of captivated it at the end of the season? So I, well, I grew up in in Southwest Ohio, so I grew up um, going to Riverfront Stadium, which is basically the same ballpark as as the Vet, right? Along with uh, Three Rivers and a couple of those other ballparks, they were very very similar. And, 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 and people who grew up to the vet, well, it, it's people who grew up going to the vet as well as people who grew up going to three rivers or, or riverfront stadium, they'll talk about how crappy it was, but they won't let anyone else talk about how crappy it was, right? That was our ballpark. That's where we grew up and that was our place. And so um, I grew up in Southwest Ohio, but I was always a Phillies fan. My, my, when I was about six or seven years old, roughly, my, my mother um, grew up in the Philadelphia area, and she told me about being a Phillies fan when she was young. 
And when you're that age, you, that's an either a reason to root for that team or to root against that team. And um, I became a Phillies fan. This was in the middle 70s. And, of course, this is right when that team was, you know, starting to make some noise in 76 and 77 and 78. Um, and then in 1980, I mean, that was the magical season, right? I mean, they, they fired Danny Ozark at the end of 79. Dallas comes in, and I think Dallas Green was the perfect manager for that team at that time. And Dallas Green was a guy who could wear out his welcome. Um, but there were a lot of guys on that team who were maybe more concerned with uh, with their own individual stats. And I actually watched – I posted it yesterday on my Facebook page. There was a, an, or a video about uh, Mike Schmidt's 500th home run, and, and, and Schmidt was talking to Pete. And, and Pete said that there were a lot of guys, or Schmitty was telling Pete, there were a lot of guys they, that they all came up together. Um, it was, you know, Schmidt and, and Boone and Boa and some of those guys, and, and they were all very, very good players, but they all sort of, to a certain extent, knocked each other down in terms of no one really would let another one of them establish themselves as the, as the leader of that team. And then when Pete comes in, they all defer to Pete, because he was the man at that point. And then that allows some of those other guys to become themselves and to just do what they did and not have to carry the burden of leading the franchise. And, you know, we all saw what happened and it was, it was an amazing season. And I think I've always said this as, you know, the Phillies won the world series in 1980 and I was, I, I, I was 12. I, I turned 13 a couple of weeks later. And when a team wins a championship when you're in that age range, right? When you first start to follow and pay attention to things, those guys become your gods. And those are, those are your guys. And, and I, you know, I couldn't name 10 players off of the 1988 Phillies, but I could name damn near everyone that played on the 1980 Phillies. I mean, that was my team. Right. And so, that becomes that special team and that first team that you root for that becomes that wins a championship will just it becomes embedded in your soul. And I think certainly I like I said, I didn't grow up in Philadelphia, but I know how passionate of a Phil of a of a sports town Philadelphia is. And I think it's one thing if that team wins a championship in another city, but boy, when that team wins a championship in Philadelphia, I mean there's a there's a whole generation of people who who grew up in Philadelphia and lived in Philadelphia, that that team is absolutely embedded in their soul and, and always will be until the day that they died. I remember I, I, I didn't realize you were, you were in Clearwater angel, but I lived in Clearwater for 11 years. Um, and I remember going to a Philly spring training, some autograph meet and greet session and Tug McGraw was there. And I, you know, like a, dork said to tug oh hey i remember when you struck out willie wilson to end the 19 you know like he would have forgotten that right you know like right. oh hey i don't know if you remember but this happened um and and tug to his as gracious as tug always was said yeah willie wilson my favorite baseball player and that is that memory right i will always remember that of just you know and looking back on it now tug not only saying well of course i remember that you yahoo you know right i mean but but I mean, but that was Tugger. And so, I mean, th there were some personalities on that team. You know, at the time, we thought we were looking at three Hall of Famers on that team and and a couple of other borderline Hall of Famers. Um, and that, you know, that was a really, really special team. And and I would, I, I to me, 
that 1980 Phillies team will go down as the best team in the history of the franchise, regardless of what the 2008 team did. No, absolutely. And before I turn over to Fuji here, I want to read Rick Marcus's comment. Always, you always find out new and exciting things when it comes to the fans here of the show. And Rick, who's been a, fan, a friend of the show for the longest of time now, since the inception of the show here, he says, I have the special insert of the Inquirer with the 80 World Series. Dallas Green and Pete Rose on the front page. Also snug into Franklin Institute where they had a party and told them I was Andy Musser's son. Solid. Got a, yeah, got a baseball and a table seating. So that's uh, that's pretty good by Rick. Rick, great job by you because who knew? Who knew that was end up uh, that, that was something like that ended up happening? And Don Fiverr who tunes in is Ricky Bo. Uh, Ricky Bo knows, and I'm telling Ricky, Ricky was Ricky Henderson was just something else. The guy was much appreciated, but I, I don't want to take up too much time here at Fuji. Fuji, sir, you have the floor from the cheap seat. Jay, John, Chris, welcome, coming back. Thank on. you. Cool. Just a tidbit of information. Dallas Green gave up a home run to Pete Rose. Just food for thought, you know, talking about, you know, Pete playing against Dallas Green. But, Jay, just to touch on your book, um, I, you know, the rumors were that year the Phillies, I think Paul Allen's, I believe, turned over. I think the Phillies were slipping around that time, and he flipped over a couple – Tables, I think, on a West Coast trip from what yeah. I heard. Yep. And he just lost it and chewed the team out. And, you know, a lot of the players in Dallas Green were just bought heads at that at that point. And then, I, I don't know about in your book, I do have, I will buy it and read it. Also, there was a couple of rumors stating that a couple of the Phillies, big-name players, there was a trade I believe there was a trade on the table for some guys to go to Texas, but they yeah. never revealed who they were. Would you know who? Any idea who it might have been? I th okay. So in terms of okay, so first of all, let's go back to the first thing you said. Dallas Green did give up a home run to Pete Rose, and it actually turned out to be the only grand slam that Pete Rose hit in his career, which I think is wow. just a cool little tidbit. It's really irrelevant in the terms of baseball history, but it, it's one of the things that makes baseball great. Right. Secondly. Yeah. I mean, so, so Dallas green had laid into the team um, toward the end. It was in August, I believe of, of 1980 and in a double header in Pittsburgh um, in between games of a double header. And then about a week later, the Pope absolutely laid into them and same. It was in California. And now I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, it was either in San Francisco or San Diego. I can't remember which, but I remember, you know, seeing that that was one of the things where that kind of got the guy's attention, where it's one thing, you know, none of us like Dallas Green and he's laying into this, so that's fine. But when the Pope lays into us, all, they a lot of guys respected the Pope a lot more. I don't want to say more than they did Dallas Green, but just, you know, it hit home more when the Pope laid into them. And that was one of the things where they said, well, you know, and, and, and the message for both of them was basically Dallas Green was trying to show these guys. I don't, you know, basically his message was, you guys don't realize how damn good you are. And you're all trying out to be so cool and to pad your own stats. And, and if you play together as a team, you can accomplish amazing things. And um, that was, you know, to paraphrase what Dallas said. And, and Pope said, Similar things, but I think coming from Pope, I mean, again, same message, different messenger. It started to resonate a little bit. Um, and then I'm sorry, what was the last part of your question? 
Um, the trade there was yes, they, yes, they yes. Specified there was a trade on the table. Yeah. So I mean, for, the, for a long time, the Phillies were very, very hot after Sparky Lyle, and they ended up getting him in September. But um, of course, they got him too late for him to be eligible for the postseason. But I think um, I want to believe. I want to say off the top of my head, I think Lazinski was supposedly involved in that trade going to Texas at the beginning of the year. And, you know, sometimes the best trades are the trades you don't make. And and granted, right. Bull didn't have a great year in 1980. I think he only hit 220 or something like that. And he was often pulled for defense and everything. But, boy, I tell you, you talk about a guy. When you go back and look at his statistics from the from the, the mid-'70s, his numbers were actually better than Schmitty's. Um, you know, early from like 74 through 76. And you put those two guys in the lineup together back to back. And it, you know, the parallel you can draw is maybe 10, 15 years ago with, with, um, with Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz with the Red Sox. I mean, those two guys, you stack those two guys, three, four, and it's, it's a murderer's row. And I mean, just the game has changed so much from that time. And, and, and you can get into whether the game is better now than it was then. And that's a separate discussion. Um, but you know, one of the things, if you go back and watch some of those old games on YouTube, and again, I watched that video of, you know, the, it was an hour long, uh, you know, VHS of Schmitty hitting his 500 home run, just how skinny those guys were compared to how, how guys are now. And, and, and um, and and how I mean, you look at, at Schmidt, you watch YouTube videos about how far away he stood from the plate. I mean, he was in the back corner of the plate of the, of the batter's box and and they used bigger bats and longer bats. And the game, you know, the game has just changed a lot. And, and again, whether you want to say it's better now or better then, I, I don't want to be the old man yelling at a cloud. Right. But um, I mean, I, I loved the game back then. And part of that is probably just the romanticism of being, you know, in, of an impressionable age. But man, I'll tell you, you go back and watch those games, and they're just they're just so fun. Well, just to you know, speak just to just to say this. I mean, it was it wasn't about money back then. Yeah, you know, I, know I mean, P. Rowe, I know P. Rose, Roy Carpenter. I believe I'm not sure what his contract was, but you know these guys love the game today. It's there's no fundamental baseball. It's all about hitting the long ball. Pitchers going four or five starters going four or five innings. It's not what it once was. I mean, they say the players are better today. You know, I mean, you got to admit, you know, Canyon Yards came in the 1992, and that basically changed the the infrastructure of baseball parks. You know, they moved the the, the fence is in over the years, and there's more home runs. And, but back then, those guys, like you said, Mike Schmidt was scrawny compared to a, yeah, um, a David Ortiz or a or Maddie even Trout. Ortiz. I mean, you uh, know, Mike, you look at Mike Trout right now. I mean, if Mike Trout had been Mike Trout in the 1980s, he probably would have been a linebacker in the NFL. And you know, he was that size, and and. You know, and and that's obviously no knock against Mike Trout. He's a freak athlete, but it just shows how much the game has changed. I mean, I think you right. could say the same thing about Bryce Harper, the way he's built. You know, I mean, there, you know, those guys. I mean, look at a guy like Bake McBride or Omar Marino. You know, those guys who played 
major league baseball at 170 pounds and, right. and contributed, you know, and we're, we're solid players. You just don't see that anymore. And, and, you know, I mean, I, for one, I understand the analytics of it and I understand that the stolen base um, might not be statistically a great play, but boy, I loved watching Ricky Henderson play, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and I loved watching Juan Samuel and, and, you know, those guys, because I mean, a walk can turn into a triple and it just made the game more exciting. And, and, you know, and there were balls that were put in play, Smart. you know, even, and, and that's, that even, was fun. Even before Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, and before him, Maury Wills, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Chris? Yeah, so, Jay, you know, I, I read your book. I loved it. And I just Thank wanted you. to kind of ask you a few questions. Sure. Um, kind of more, a little bit about, like, when you first thought that you were going to write the book, how yeah. long it took. Um, but what I thought was interesting and I was curious is, when we're, you know, when Dallas Green's like a large part of the book, but just because of like he was such a polarizing figure, except for that polarization made everyone hate him, it sounded like. Yeah, and that's what brought them together. And he, he was one of the quotes in the book that I enjoyed was, you know, when they first came in or when he first came in, he felt the Phillies were more concerned about tea times than batting practice or game time. Right. Um, and he wanted to kind of change that from a we, not I. Um, and at the end of the season, he actually benched Luzinski. He benched Boone in right. favor of, you know, Lonnie Smith and Keith Moreland, which was, I mean, that was a gutsy move. And Boa went on, uh, you know, talk show at the time and just blasted Green. <laughs> and right. Green's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to do what's best for the team. We're here to win. Yeah. And, and I think, again, you know, I think that speaks to the fact that Dallas was the perfect manager for that team at that time, because as I, as, as I talked about in the book, he really didn't care if he kept the job because he knew he was secure in the organization. He was brought in kind of, you know, to kick butt and take names. And, and he, and, and the organization saw how, how much talent was there and what was needed. And he was the guy who came in and, and he knew that if, that if he came in and failed, then they'd hire a new manager. He'd go back to being farm director. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's an amazing position to be in as a manager, right? Where you're not managing a, to not get fired or B to get your next job. You're coming in to say, this team is talented and I want to take them to the next level. And if they don't get there, I'll still be okay. And I think when you look at, at the, the kinds of the, you know, over the history of the game, there's not a lot of managers that can come in with that attitude and that, you know, that moxie, right. That power to know he was, he was a fixture in the organization. The only reason he left is because the Cubs offered him a deal that he couldn't refuse. And, um, you know, he, he, he was secure. And so he was operating from, from a position of strength. And as we, as you just talked about before, someone else brought up in an era where salaries are starting to rise. And this is the first point where players are starting to make more money than managers or have more power than managers. And Dallas green still wielded that hammer over a lot of those guys. Um, and I think that that was, you know, 
a, a very, very interesting moment in time. And, and certainly we'll never see that again. There's never going to be another manager or general manager that has that much sway over the players. Um, because at the end of the day, now in today's game, you know, the players are the ones who make the money and, and they are the ones that have the power. Yeah. And it, the other thing that was interesting is the 80 team, they were not picked to finish first. They were picked to finish fourth pretty much because, yeah. you know, people thought they were over the, over the hill and were going to get broken <laughs> up. The pirates had just won. The Cardinals were good. And in the East um, and the Expos were awesome. Right. And just never did it until 81. So I, I just kind of thought that that was interesting that they really weren't supposed to do it. And they knew this was their last chance. Absolutely. You know? That, that team, if they didn't win, they were going to be broken up and they all knew that. And, and, and of course they did win and ended up getting broken up anyway, yeah. but you had, a, you know, you had a number of guys. And then with, with really selling the team the following year, there were a lot of dynamics in play um, in that 1980 season, but absolutely that, that was the last run for those guys. And they all knew that. Um, and, and whether or not that meant, Oh, well, we need to pull it together and, and pull together. Um, you know, that might be kind of a strong statement, but I mean, that's certainly a factor in, in that 1980 team and, and boy, they just mesh together so well. I mean, and, and again, when you look at, look at the pitching staff of that team, I mean, it was basically lefty and four other guys, right? I mean, like Dick Ruthven was fine. Decent. Yeah. Right. And, and Larry Christensen was fine when he was healthy, but Nino Espinosa had already had his shoulder problems and, and, uh, you know, he was kind of a non-factor. And so it's basically the pitching staff was was lefty and tugger. And then it's just, you know, let's see if we can out-hit everybody else and play better defense. And, I mean, again, when you've got two gold glovers on the left side and, I mean, I guess, well, actually three gold glovers in the infield and Pete Rose at first base, you could do a lot worse. And then, this you know, the, the man who covers two-thirds of the earth with the other third covered by water in center field, um, who can who can make uh, – make up for bull a little bit and left and, you know, bake was solid. And so, I mean, they had a really, really good starting eight and um, it, you know, that I, I maintain this, that was one of the most underrated teams, you know, in the, in the recent era. And, but I will also say if J.R. Richard doesn't have a stroke, man, that changes the whole dynamic of the season. Well, that Absolutely. was one of the um, trades that was going to happen from what yes. I understand and read was, you know, Joaquin Andahar was going to come to the Phillies and right. the Astros wanted Keith Moreland and Lonnie Smith. And mm-hmm. it was taken off the table because Jay Richard went down. So they would have had Nolan Ryan, Joaquin Andahar and Jerry Richard. I don't know if we win it if we they, we have those three going in a you know five game series. No, I mean, and I mean, I don't I agree with you. And I and I don't think. I don't think if if Richard stays healthy, do you want to face in a in a best of five series, Nolan Ryan throwing gas, you sandwich just from a strategic standpoint, whether or not Bill Verdon chose to do this, you put the knuckleball or Joe Necro in the middle of them, and then you bring back Richard or Ryan, whomever starts game one, you bring the other fireball back in game three. That's a super tough adjustment to make in a best of five series when you're facing two guys that throw high nineties and a knuckleballer in between, I mean, man, I'll tell you. And and the other part of that again, is that if Richard doesn't go down at the end of July, right, the Astros barely won that division. They had to go to a playoff to win that division on the last extra last game. They played a one sixty three. Yeah. If Richard's healthy, presumably he's good for another couple of wins over the course of the back half of the season, which then allows the Astros to clinch the division sooner, set up their pitching rotation for 
the NLCS, and I think it's a completely different uh, series at that point. So the and, Phillies really got lucky. Yeah, one last thing. When we're talking about uh, someone brought up Andy Musser, it's funny because I think Andy Musser's call against the Expos with it's my ringtone run is one of the most underrated calls because we always go to Harry. Um, but, you know, he buried it like that is forever one of the great calls in Philly's history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, like I said, that's why it's my ringtone. Um, <laughs> that's you know, I love it. I mean, and 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 there's and there's as, as I'm sure you guys have experienced, too, there's a lot of guys that just assume it was Harry. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's that that was a great call. And and, you know, the other thing, too, again, go back and watch that watch that game on YouTube. Because the Empire Strikes Back had just come out. And so when you watch the PHL broadcast of that game, Schmidty's rounding third, heading to home, and they put up the graphic, we have the force behind us or something to that effect. It was, you know, some star, and it's just incredibly cheesy, but it's incredibly great um, and just indicative of the era. Um, and it's it's so much fun. You know, I mean, they're playing the Star Wars theme at the end of the game, and it was just it's just amazing. It's yeah. so cool to go back and watch those old games. Did you ever get to the vet, Jay? I went once um, when when Ashburn, Richie, and Schmitty got into the Hall of Fame in '95. Mm. I was working in Clearwater at the time, and and I had, um, with all deference to my wife, and she can probably hear me. She's in the other room. But when Schmitty got into the Hall of Fame in '95, I I came home that day from work and. She asked me, you know, I was sort of down and she said, what's going on? And I said, you know, I swore to myself when Mike Schmidt got into the Hall of Fame, I would go. And she said, why can't you? And I said, well, I just can't. And she said, no, why can't you? And so that night I called and made a hotel reservation about an hour and a half away from Cooperstown. Um, and me and a buddy drove from Clearwater to Cooperstown with our main source of entertainment being the print version of the 19 of the uh, baseball encyclopedia quizzing each other all the way up and all the way back. But on the way there, we did go to the vet and go see a pirates game. And that's where um, we ran into Todd Callis, who my buddy Bob had worked with um, previously. So that was the first time I'd met Todd sat in the booth with Harry, the K for about an inning or two. And that pirates game left that game um, was ungodly hot in July at the vet. Um, and then we drove up to um, to Camden Yards, went to a game that night, and then the next day woke up and drove to Cooperstown. So it, that was an amazing trip. So I have been to the vet um, for one game. I actually am I'm, uh, friends with uh, Larry Shank's son, Andy. And so we went to a uh, – took the kids to go see a Phillies game, Phillies-Braves game at the new ballpark, which was then new, Um it poured down rain after a half an inning. So I have been to uh, Citizens Bank Park for one half of an inning. <laughs> Jay, just real quick here. You, so many things you talked about in the book. We were talking about the Astros and what could have been and whatnot. But, you know, you're probably a year older than me. So I'm showing my age here and I'm sure you are. Right there with you. But um, I don't, you know, before 94, when they went on strike and before some of the other stuff, happened i don't think people realize with the drugs and the drunk scandals that were going on in 1980 i don't think people realize how quick that could have imploded in 1980 and you said the season it almost never was yeah can you, sort of, can you sort of expand upon that like how how far 
was Major League Baseball from imploding? It was it was really close. I mean, the 1981 strike should have happened in 1980. Um, the players had set a strike date of of the Memorial Day weekend, and that was the day. And there was actually a walkout in spring training as well, um, where the players walked out in the last week of spring training. Um, and then um, the, the strike was supposed to happen um, on Memorial Day of 1980. And basically what happened was they came to an, an 11th hour agreement um, and they agreed to disagree on on free agent compensation, which was the big thing, of course, that that kickstarted, if you will, the 1981 draft. So they basically just kicked the can down the road finished the 1980 season and then it came to a head in 1981 and we had the disaster of the split season which is another fascinating book by uh by jeff katz if you ever read that called split season which is um and he actually wrote he was he's the former mayor of cooperstown um and wrote a book about the 1981 season and that's uh recommended reading as well it's a very out a really really good book about and 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 part of the reason i i didn't want to get into the labor stuff i just it's a big part of the history, but it, I just, I don't want to get bogged down with that. I'm more of a, what happened on the field kind of person. Um, but if you get a chance to read split season, I would highly recommend it. Well, I'm going to switch gears here for a second, because I know John's been patiently waiting and John, I have to ask is the, I see the Phillies obviously in the background there, but are, are we wearing a Phillies cigar type robe there? No, just a Terry cloth robe. Uh, you know, try to class it up a little bit. Solid choice, John. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, listen, no problem. So, uh, for those who don't know, John was the one that actually filmed the taping of a Mets fan phone being thrown out there, and courtesy of his own YouTube page, which I have here queued up, uh, Philly Captain. I want you to, I guess, to explain as the video here is going to be rolling along of what happened. I guess that was what March. Uh, no, coming up. April 12th, wasn't it? Somewhere around there? Yeah, but yeah, it was last Tuesday. It was last Tuesday. Um, yeah. I, I, you want me to do a play-by-play? Sure, play it. Sure. So I'm going to queue it up here just so at least we can know exactly what happened here. All right. You see that guy? He's chirping, wearing a Mets jersey. He, he was chirping the entire inning. Um, I, make a, I, I make YouTube videos. So my video of that night was I was going around showing how baseball fans yell at each other right. and it is at the bottom of the ninth inning and this guy is being so annoying he's being so ridiculous he's standing up and clapping for every pitch like it's game seven of the world series <laughs> and this is the last out and what he's doing is he's running up to this guy with his phone he's gonna laugh at this guy with the phone in his face and the guy says you know what i i uh I don't want you to put that phone in my face. I want to put that phone in the outfield. And he picks up the phone and he throws it in the outfield. There's the phone thrower right there with the – he shouldn't have a rally cap. Nobody in Philadelphia used to do a rally cap. That's a Mets thing, and we're better right. than them. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. So, all right. Oh, I, It looks like this is a replay of the clip. Um they originally showed the slow mo portion of it, and then it it, it comes into your your fast motion. Right, you see, how, motion the, you see how the security guard had to go down. It. Like you, you don't get security like that unless you're being a jerk. And, right. and he, like I said, games game five of the World Series, standing up, clapping every ball, every strike. 
Um, it's it, like the fifth game of the season, buddy. Just relax. <laughs> just relax. And he, he was just, and just so you guys know, he's at this game by himself. He's not wow. with anybody and he's sober. So he, well, he's no like, one likes Met fans. You know, well, he's nobody a likes scumbag this guy. number one. Yeah. Right. All the other Met fans sitting with him, they don't even pay attention to him. They're like, oh, please, please stop. You're embarrassing us. And uh, all right, so this is going to be the last out. Reese Hopkins strikes out. Um, not that he's having that bad of a season, but you know, the, the hat, the bat. All right, see how he's got the camera ready? He's got the camera ready to videotape. And uh, here we go. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Got the phone. Boom. Right in the field. That's just epic. <laughs> is that the most Philly thing ever? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen Minnesota Vikings fans oh, walk, at it, and the hero gets away. What a what a great what a great guy. Um, yeah. I've seen Vikings fans get pelted with beers. I saw a girl go into uh, <coughs> John, a Porta John at an Eagles game wearing a Romo's jersey, a Romo jersey, and I saw somebody knock over the Porta potty. Um, that was probably the most Philly thing, but that's that's wow. up there, top three. I I, I love it. I, I think it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so you got a fan that's right here. If you can see the mouse kind of going around this guy's hat yeah. here. Yeah, so yeah. he comes out of nowhere, goes to grab the guy who actually threw the phone, which then he right. gets away and goes. So what was his intention? Like, what, what was he doing? Like, yeah, that guy was a Mets fan. That guy was a Mets fan. And, oh. and, and also, I think he was there by himself. You're right. Nobody likes Mets fans. Oh, no, the girl just said, get away from here. Yeah, okay. So he's not by himself. But, yeah, he was a Mets fan. He was trying to protect the guy. Uh, the guy who threw the phone uh, ran to the Broad Street line, which is like the train station down there, and he got right. away. Um, the phone didn't get broken. Everything was fine with the phone. The guy got his phone back. He had to wait 10, 15 minutes till they got it off the field. Um, but yeah, everything, everything, uh, everything ended fine. That could have ended a lot worse. If that was the 700 right. level with the vet, that guy's getting knocked out. <laughs> no doubt. So right, wait a minute, right. he just, he, he just got shoved by another fan because as you were yeah, saying, he, yeah. he started chest bumping this little fella. Wait till you see the size of this little fella. He's chest bumping. Boom. He's half the oh, size of What a bully that Met fan is. Awful people. Awful people they are. And now he goes in for the hug? What, yeah, what's was, was, he, was he drunk? Like, it, he no, had he to be was drunk, sober. Right? He was 100%. I talked to him since this happened. He was 100% sober. He's just an ass. That's all. <laughs> yeah. 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 I figured because it seemed like these other two guys, I thought they were together, but I guess they became uh, friends there at the very oh. end because it, when it looked like in the video at first, I thought – which I'm pretty sure a lot of people also as well thought that they were all together. Well, only come to find out, well, obviously, you know that he was there by himself. Now, I guess they were all trying to talk about how they could probably get a girlfriend, but they, you know, they never, <laughs> they never, they never figured out. That's my friend. That's face paint guy, the Philly sports guy. Yeah, Jamie. Hey, you guys I'm friends him, right? with him. Yeah. 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 He just paints his face <laughs> up and goes to games and yells into people's phones. I love that guy. So is, the is the phone launcher like supposedly like banned from Citizens Bank Park? Because I, if that's true, I don't. I want a statue of him outside. Like I don't want him banned from it. But I heard that he's banned from Major no, League Games. Dude, is that true? Listen, I work. I work at Cit I used to work at Citizens Bank Park. There ain't no wanted posters hanging. They ever see the old people that they hand you the T-shirts and check your tickets? It ain't yeah. Nothing. 
that. Nobody's going to catch it. There's 50,000 people that go in and out of that stadium on, you know, every day, you know? Yeah. They're not going to catch it. And, he, and the phone thrower looks like every other 21-year-old schmuck, you know? It's not Bartman Except that he's Chicago. a hero. It's like, not Bartman like, in Chicago. No, yeah. no, it's better than Bartman in Chicago. I this know. kid should be celebrated. This kid, people are embarrassed. People are like, oh, he's going to give Philadelphia sports fans a bad name. Well, I hate to break it to you. We got a bad name. I don't think there's <laughs> nothing we could do to fix that situation. I keep hearing about batteries getting, or snowballs getting thrown at Santa Claus. All of those people who threw snowballs at Santa Claus, they're all dead. They're all dead. Right. So let's stop talking about that. But they're not. They're not going to stop talking about that. So what we got to do is we just got to be evil. We got to torment people. We got to, we're worse than Raiders fans. You ever see Raiders fans? They dress up yeah. like WWE superstars with the yeah. spikes. And the, we, we have middle-aged women in hoodies that will give you nightmares. That's why I love this city. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing the story, but no, it's it's true. I mean, it's but the funny thing is, you know, it, 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 we can get into more stuff, and and Jay will definitely have you back on the show here. But I I think it's it, the funny part to me is that Philly, no matter what happens, like they just uh, what was the other night with the uh, with the Nets? Why am I drawing a blank? Irving. Yeah, he gives he gives a finger to to the Celtics Boston fans. fans. Right. right. He, he gives them the finger, and then there's nothing, you know, like no big deal made about it on TV, nothing else. But if it happens in Philly, the next 15 minutes of that ball game, it's going to be nothing about it. Once again, That's here not we are. True. That's fans. not true. That's not true. I heard, I heard all about the Kyrie thing. What are you talking about? We're talking about it. We know it happened. It just, right. In Philadelphia, the news story is bigger in Philadelphia because we're in Philadelphia. And, and right. you know, it's. I'm sure the people in Boston were saying horrific things to them because I took the Kyrie, you know, they, the, the Boston fans don't really have that great of a reputation. So I'm sure they were saying tasteless things. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we're pretty, I mean, I worked at Citizens Bank Park as a vendor and I've seen horrific things with my eyes. We do, but I think that it has a lot to do with drunk, drunkness and drinking and tailgating and, but um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, but yeah, we're special. We're really special. Yeah, of course, we are passionate. Passionate is the word. Well, insane. Yeah. Insane's part part of that too. Insane, passionate, drunk. It's a, right. It's beautiful. Whichever <laughs> adjective you want to use. Isn't the, isn't the way that Mets fan was acting though? Isn't that the perception of all Philadelphia fans? If they if it would have been reversed, isn't that ninety percent of what what? What we think of Philly fans across the nation, I think that's why they get a bad rap. I, I would, I mean, look, as someone who's not from Philadelphia, to me, that's a New York thing rather than a Philadelphia thing. But I could be wrong. No, we're pretty annoying in the stands. Like we're pretty, we're pretty <laughs> bad, but we're not. Like I went to Shea Stadium back when Tony was on the Phillies, and I wore a Tony jersey, and I had beer thrown at me. Like I didn't do anything. I was just wearing a jersey. Um, I, I don't know. It's just that uh, uh, they, they're pretty ruthless up there. And, uh, you know, we're pretty ruthless down here. And, and I think that's mm. what makes it great going to the ballpark. I Not only is there a game on the field, there's a game in the stands. And, and baseball, uh, that's, what, that's what's so great about baseball is you can kind of watch the game and watch the stands. And, and it's, it's mm. really a big experience. I love baseball. Mets fans I, are only loud when, like, 
they're good and they're you know right. they think they're going to be good this year but they're they haven't been here in citizens bank park for you know the last 10 years give or take so we're loud regardless winning or losing mostly losing recently um but i i think like i wouldn't want to go to city uh, you know city field either it's a dump so they come I, down yeah, here i can't imagine know, what the dump. parking situation is in that cockroach yeah. stadium it's going to be horrible yeah. i guarantee you it's yeah. horrible oh well i've I've been the Yankees bossing up Yankee Stadium a couple times, and you want to talk about a war. Yeah, it's I mean, fun. It's talk fun, about, right? Oh, it's a war zone. I mean, it's that. I mean, it's just fights everywhere. It's like, I mean, anybody with a Boston jersey going in the Yankee Stadium, it's like, it's like a Cowboys fan coming into Philly, basically. It's what it yeah, is. it's just it's it, and it seems funny because it's almost like they're they're protecting their own territory, even though they don't own the territory because it belongs right. obviously to the Yankees and the Steinbrenners and and other folks. But I just I always find it amazing that no matter what happens anywhere else, there's no other coverage like there is in Philadelphia. No matter what it is, you can have someone that could yell at someone at the you can boo the SEPTA bus driver and it'll make national news. It won't make national news anywhere else, but a, a fan gets on after the game and boos the SEPTA bus driver. And then you'll hear the interview about a SEPTA bus driver. Well, yes, he got on the bus. He booed me. No big deal. He put his change in and off we went. But it's just, it's amazing to me. It's always Philly. No matter which way you look at it, it's always Philly. And right, it's, that's why. So because of that, we gotta stop acting nice. That's it. We're done. We're assholes. That's what we do. We boo. <laughs> we 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 throw. You know, we're, we're, you get in my, you get in my face with a phone. I'm gonna throw it in the field. We're bad people. Don't come if you live in New York and your cup. Don't do it. it. It's gonna end bad. See, that's what we gotta do. We gotta scare them. It won't really end bad. Be nice. But if you act like a jerk, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be jerks to you. But that should be a PSA cool. on the flight up here, or you know, at yeah, showing it on New York stations. Like, just don't come here. Don't come yeah. here. Yeah, no, it's not a good. It's not a good idea. It, not it a good really experience is. for you. No. That's right. What I'll end up doing is I'll take that clip portion of it and then replay it uh, tomorrow on, on the feed. And so just, you know, attention New York fans and just put it up there. Uh, part of Philly listen, captain. I, yo, I, I tweeted that Mets fan phone thing. Uh, I tweeted that on Twitter. It's got it's John Boy shared it. Two million views. It's wow. big. So I've been getting berated by these dopey Mets fans talking about like whatever matters. And I, I, all I ever, all I say is Ronald Reagan was the last president. So stop talking. I mean, last president, when you guys won the world series was Ronald Reagan. Stop it. And uh, usually that ends the conversation. Just like the Dallas fans. I mean, no different than the VCR was their friend, you know, back years ago when, when in and went in the Super Bowl. said so that's how long it's been. But it, it, I mean, it, it things happen. Thankfully, there wasn't a fight or anything else. No one got hurt. That's the most important thing because that's the last thing that anyone needs is to, to go down to the underground jail cell that we like to have at the link and also at Citizen Bank Park. And it would just make no sense. But it's a good thing that no one got hurt. I mean, there was no need for it. Nothing the happened. Guy was the, just phone, being obnoxious. the phone's fine. The phone was yeah. fine. I talked to the guy on his phone, so everything's fine. And I don't think there's a jail at Citizens Bank Park. I think that's folklore. No, but see, I, I was trying to add to your stuff here with the PSA. You got to work with me. We're here, insane. We will kill you, New York men's fans. We're so much. We have a jail in our ballpark. I'm sorry. I didn't get the memo. That's all right. <laughs> no problem. But it's okay. Jay, <laughs> speaking about things that have happened, places have you been, as far whether it's as, as a child or an adult, anywhere you have been, has there ever been anything that's been to the point where it, it pretty much got blown out of proportion? Man, I'll, I mean, 
Not really that I can think of. Nothing hits me off the top of my head. Um, I mean, you know, I grew up in, in, you know, going to Reds games, right? In Cincinnati, we're all, you know, we're, they're all polite Midwesterners, right? I mean, you know, you say, oh, excuse me when you run into something. So, I mean, I mean, it, it, it always fascinates me as I've grown up to, to, to meet and, and get to know people who, who grew up on the East coast of just the, the mentality. And I'm not saying I'm not making a judgmental statement. It's just a different way of looking at life, you know? Um, and it's always been really interesting to me to, to meet people who grew up in New York and Philadelphia and, and some of those kinds of places, Boston, where just the mentality of, of, um, you know, standoffish is, is a term to use, but it's not the right term to use because that has negative connotations. I just think it's, it, you know, you, you grow up, I grew up in the Midwest and, and look, I know John's trying, he's holding his tongue. Right. And I, and I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I honestly am not saying this as a criticism. It's just a different way of looking at things. And I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm right or I'm right. And you're, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's just, it's just different. It, it's been a, it's a always been a fascinating dynamic to me. I mean, I, you know, I spent a number of years in, in Clearwater and and um, and went to some Bucks games, and you see, you know, some things that happen in in the stands and in, in Tampa Stadium, and of course, there's the whole ridiculous. I mean, I was I, I played rec league softball, and two guys got into an argument over the Florida Florida State game in April. And they're talking smack about the upcoming Florida, Florida state game. And I'm like, well, you guys freaking stop that game's not going to play. That's not going to happen for seven months, you know? So, I mean, I saw the ridiculous side of it, um, but it, it is fascinating. And again, it just speaks to the passion of the people in these markets. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a lot better than, than, you know, growing up somewhere where you just kind of don't care and the team exists. I mean, you know, look at what's happened in, in Pittsburgh for the last 20 years. I mean, it just, would you rather, would you rather live and die for that team or would you rather go into every season knowing that you're going to win 74 games? And if you're lucky, you're going to win 81, but you're still not going to make the playoffs and, you know, and you're going to be out of it um, by the trade deadline and you're going to be dumping guys. And, you know, I mean, what's the point, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's fantastic to be in these cities and to have that passion and I think that's great. And I think that's what makes sports great. Yeah. John, there's some breaking bottle. news happening right now. The uh the Phillies actually scored a run before the six. Oh my running. goodness. Wow. Wow. So they're they're up one run. They scored a run before the sixth. You know, you remember where you were. Okay. Impressive. Yeah, absolutely. You're on Broad Streets at the at the present time. It's impressive. <laughs> It sure is. And by the way, uh, speaking of more breaking news, as our national correspondent has said that the Pirates will go, what, 0 for 4 in the beginning of the season here. Uh, uh, the latest update there, we are Pirates there, uh, Neff? They're uh, five. actually 5 and 5. And 99. 500 after 10 games. If somebody would have made that bet with me before the season, I wouldn't have taken it. So exactly. I'm just, huh? just going to enjoy the, the ride. The yeah. first two weeks are garbage. There was no spring baseball. It's garbage. I mean, these games count, but you you can't get a feel of a team this early in the season. It at baseball season, you can't really tell if the team's going to stink or be good. Uh, second week of May, it just the weather's cold. The team doesn't congeal. They don't even you know. It's right. 
it was not in the, you know, uh, Pittsburgh's uh, going to stink. We know they're going to stink. And the Phillies will be better. It's going to be a great year of baseball. Um, I, co- I completely agree. I mean, I think that's the thing that people, I think in the, in the, in it, you know, say call it the social media age, right? But I mean, there's the instant reaction to everything that happened 35 seconds ago and, and uh, blowing it up. But I mean, yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, Bryce Harper's not hitting. You know, Bryce Harper's going to be just fine. Dude's a freaking MVP and he's going to, his numbers at the end of the year are going to be just fine. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, John, I mean, it's going to play out talent wins, uh, you know, for the most part with some luck and, and if everybody stays healthy, but man, pump the brakes a little bit and, you know, sit back and enjoy it. I mean, yeah. I, I will say in terms of the pirates, I love me some Cabrian Hayes. I think that kid's going to be a star. And, and the fact that he's Charlie's kid makes it even better. And um, uh, he's going to be fun to watch. And there's some kids on that Pirates team that are that are going to be fun to watch. But, man, you know, the Pirates, They'll be that's, traded that's two abysmal. Years. Yeah, he probably will be. You're right. Yeah, he probably right. will be. Although they just They're, signed him to a deal, which means they've locked him up at market right now, which makes him eminently more tradable two years from now. They've been nothing you're but right. a farm team for 30 years. Yeah, that's they, they it, have. You're right. you're right. You're right. Oh, you you know, look at Kansas City, Oakland. Oakland's just about to move. The A's are about to move out of there. Did you see this thing where the in 1991, the Oakland A's had the highest payroll in baseball at $33 million, and their payroll going into this year is $33 million? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's just insane. Yep, it is. They, got, well, that they beat the Phillies in the game. <laughs> so. The, the Marvin ballpark they have in Vegas Over is there. absolutely I mean it, it's a beautiful thing. And if and they're obviously Vegas is trying to push for the A's to go out there as well, which I think it's gonna happen anyways. I mean, they have the room for out in the desert. I don't know if they have the water because pretty soon they're they're running that well very, very dry over there at the Hoover Dam. I mean that, that water has gotten drastically low to where no one can launch any of their boats over there. And that's that's a lot for the Hoover Dam to lose that kind of that kind of water. So they're gonna hope for April, May, and June get tons and tons of rain because it's being drained dry over there. So we'll see. And I mean, it, it could be a good possibility. A's end up in Vegas. But as we wrap up the show here, and Jay, just because you don't know, it's your first time here on the show with us. The same kind of rants and the, the things that go on over there at Citizens Bank Park, that gentleman right above you, if you mention the keyword Howie Roseman, he will go absolutely ballistic. Even though it's his best friend, they, they've been... I mean, best friends for the past, like, three, four years here. The last year, he couldn't get enough of them. And matter of fact, one of the bars that he was at, he almost got tossed out because he was throwing beer bottles all over the place. He was so frustrated with Howard Roseman at halftime. But, you know, it, it, it happens. That's antisocial, Mike. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I make up. Of course, I make it up because they'll never throw anything. He'll never get thrown out. But he was he was fired up. And then we had a post-game wrap-up uh, after the Eagles game and. I've never seen a man more fired up than that day. And I mean, it rightfully so because it, Eagles just played the probably the worst game that we have ever seen. And I, I felt bad for Mike, but I'm pretty sure he probably went home. He, he did the right thing. He did take an Uber home. He did not drink and drive. He took an Uber home, picked up his car the next day. But uh, it, he he does go nuts for his Eagles. I will say that much. Very, very passionate. Now, I know he'll want to try and bust my chops here saying the same thing about the Bucks. I'm not a Bucks fan just because I live down here. I'm an Eagles fan because I knew that's the, the route that he was going. So, And, John, don't let him fool you either. Just because I moved from Philly down here to the yeah. south, the name of the show being Broad Street South, does not mean I'm a Bucks fan. So, Jay, don't don't let him fool you. He'll probably try no, and write you after I the show or anything you, else. Hey, you get to go to Lenny's every day for breakfast if you want to. 
Yeah, that's true. I got a question for Mike real quick. I got a question for Mike. Mike, when the Eagles lose, do you, are you able to make whoopee that night, or do you have to, like, like <laughs> you're so angry you can't do it? Just curious. Ah, uh, Lord. Because I used to be that way. If the Eagles lost, no whoopee. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I was just curious. Are you that passionate? Mm, does that explain how passionate? Hold on. Does that explain how passionate I am? I'm not asking about your sex drive. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> when Andy Reid calls a bad play, you got to look at, listen, we're not doing it for the next two, three days. I'm emotionally hurt. Um, Mondays are always, you know, yeah. it's either Eagles fans are happy and proud Monday or, you know, aggravated. Yeah, that's all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's a no. I'm gonna say no. You don't you don't do it if the Eagles lose. But if they win, it's a long night at Mike's house. That's awesome. Mike. <laughs> just just depends on how much the. We'll see. I don't really drink anymore, so. All right. Depends on how much the alcohol intake is. Try jazz the cigarettes. They're really helpful. Like, I quit drinking like all together. <laughs> And then that's the way you end the show here on a Tuesday night. <laughs> Thanks for John for coming on. Obviously for Jay and uh, the author of finally uh, talking about the, sh the show goes off the rails here at the very end, but it's always, it's always fun. <laughs> that's why we bring on folks on here because it just adds things to that. We haven't either heard or seen on the show, but uh, again, to Chris for drunk Phil's fans. Again, you guys can follow Jay over at Daniel 2033. If I remember correctly, Jay. J-D-A-N-I-E-L-2033. Mike Schmidt and Larry Bird. Larry Bird! Go get no. him all. Get him all. No, but see, I love me some Doc, too, though. I, I, yeah, it's a, it's complicated. It is. Yeah. It is. And I don't I don't want, even want to hear it. Not, fair enough. <laughs> and I, you know what, John? Dude, hey, I will just... All I'll say to you, John, is not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> and you are a freaking hero for capturing that moment on video. Oh, that God was, bless. You know, you're a hero was, right in your book. See, now it's a love fest. See, exactly. <laughs> you didn't even need these guys. Just me and you. We exactly. We'll no. catch up later. Yeah. <laughs> have my people call your people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll have a spinoff show. John and Jay yeah, on a Wednesday we night. <laughs> <laughs> we wind up doing it. We'd like to thank our sponsors as well. Tampa Joe's always check out and visit TampaJoe's.com and or go to 9316 Anderson Road in Tampa, Florida. And hop, skipping and jump, as I always say, over there from the airport, exactly where the Philly of the South football club for the Eagles hang out every NFL season. So from September to December, at least well into January now because of the 18th game, you guys can end up uh, or the 17th game, excuse me, the 18th hasn't come up yet. To the 17th game, you guys can catch us over there at Tampa Joe's. Thanks to Mike Goodwin and his group, as always, TampaJoe's.com. Serious Food, a great place, and we thank them for their sponsorship as well, along with PhillySportsTrips.com. Philly Sports Trips, you guys check out. They're soon coming up really fast here. Their first time ever going overseas for a golf outing. Check out all their upcoming trips oh, at PhillySportsTrips.com. Com, and I see Alf there in the in the background there with John. So it, it probably you know what that 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 is very very fitting for you there, John. So that was very great by and you the there. Ultimate warrior. And then you also have <laughs> LGDirect.net, of course, where the name the name of the studio is named after. Thanks to Larry Gilman for the job that he does and his support for us here at Broad Street South. If you guys need payment solutions and our credit card solutions, more importantly. 
please visit lgdirect.net and or if you need apparel, t-shirts done, let them know and hoodies at lgdirect.net. And you can also call them at 855-777-3863, The bigstarsportstalk.com. One of our special partners here at Broad Street South. Don't forget his show with Andy Clue, former Eagle, Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 Central Standard Time in the trenches. And you can also follow him on in the trenches, Houston trenches on Twitter. So check out their show as well. Always a good time. And we will be seeing, by the way, someone here. And I don't want to let out when exactly, but we'll be seeing someone here momentarily uh, later on in the NFL season. Also for Sports Draft Pro, if you guys bet and use anyone to go out there, whether it's fun gambling, whether it's for video, whichever case may be, you can go to sportsdraftpro.com and visit it also on our website here, broadstsouth.com. Take a look. They have packages from free to $20. By any means, you can always end up joining. And I see one last comment coming in before we close out the show. Sean says, good show, guys. Thank you, Sean, for contributing. And by the way, Sean will be with us here live on Thursday. And let us not forget as well, this upcoming Thursday, we do have Seth Joyner in the house. So please tune in on Thursday night. So Seth Joyner will be here. Uh, and who knows, maybe John will end up making a, a, an appearance again because uh, we can have the comedy skit hour with John. So we'll put him on the bottom line. In between the intros, we'll end up doing the, the comedy skit with John. But Jay, listen, we will have you back on the show because there's a lot of baseball season to go with this heat. And now we're busting out something else. So now. <laughs> See, now it's going to screw me up here towards the end of the show. But, Jay, we'll have you back on here because, as we said prior to the broadcast, there's some broadcasters that the voice will never go away. And God bless Harry Callis, who we just lost a couple years ago. And it's uh, two days after uh, when he was his castle was, was brought across Citizens Bank Park. But now you will be our honorable mention as far as for stats and or for history, for nostalgia. So we'll be more than happy to bring you back on the show, John. Whenever you have the opportunity, Jay, please come back. It's an honor, and I would be happy to come on. Just let me know. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank no you. Problem. I'm very busy. Don't nice call me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks to John, the Philly captain, for coming on. Also for Chris from the Drunk Phils fans. And Chris, please let everyone know, number one, where they can find you, your content. And if anybody remembers, and I think, I don't know, Chris, are you frozen or are you good? No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. good. <laughs> and also, by the way, if anyone sees any drunk Phil's fan t-shirts outside Citizens Bank Park, please do not purchase it because it is not from Chris himself. So please let them know where they can find the actual good apparel and how they can find you in your content. Sure. Thanks, Angel. So uh, our t-shirts can be found on phillysportshirts.com. Um, they'll have our full line of uh, the one I'm wearing, different colors, uh, and we have uh, a newer logo that we brought out. So it'll be this one will be on T-shirts now too. Uh, at Drunk Phil's fans on Twitter and Instagram, and just search uh, Drunk Phil's fans the page on Facebook. So, yep, thanks, Angel. No problem. And also for the cheap seats, I'm I, once again I'm going to put in my request here next week. Next week, okay, cheap seats. Right, the yeah. sweet level, not the 700 level, the sweet level. I would appreciate it. I'm on. Then for Mike Fuji and Debbie, my producer over there in Studio B, thank you everyone for tuning in. We will see you Thursday night with Seb Joyner, 8 p.m. Don't forget, and also, as Fuji always likes to say at the end of the show, go turn on your mic there, silly. Oh boy, go birds, go sexers, play the song. Ring the bell. 
Right, you are, okay, I'll end it with the song here. So give me a second. I'll play it off on, on the way out. So let me cue it back up for our Philly faithful. And let's hope the Sixers can take this series 3-0 and bring Lord it back. Dr. So for everyone else. Bobby, and Bobby Jones content, please, with a little Moses thrown in. Sure. No Sorry. problem. All right, gang. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Once again, we'll leave you here with some Sixers music here, the theme song for us here in Philadelphia. Play the song. Sixers.